Welcome to episode 73 of Mosin at Large. The wait is over and Apple's secrets have been revealed for their next generation of iPhones and more. With the conclusion of Apple's high-speed events, I've got a team of tech chatterboxes to dissect the event for you. Stay tuned. Mosin at Large Podcast. The big reveal is over. And now it's time to do some recapping of the high-speed events that concluded at Apple Park. And with me once again for an encore, we have got Judy Dixon over in the United States. Welcome, Judy. Thank you, Jonathan. And Mike Fair in Canada. Oh, man, we're just so multi. I hope you didn't eat too much for Thanksgiving, Mike. <laughs> oh, I had a couple helpings of my mom's delicious turkey, so I am a tad oh, heavier. Tremendous. And the artist formerly known as Heidi Mosen, the self-proclaimed star of this show, Heidi Taylor. Welcome. Uh, welcome. I don't think I proclaimed I was the star of the I show. I think you did. You said I'm the star of this. That's did what I? You, yes, that's what you said. And, and you were right. I mean, you are right. We get more feedback about you than anybody else. That's so, true. Including, I, do have a, I do have a fan club. Including me. You do. You have this fan base. Uh, all right. So let's talk. First of all, Judy, we haven't caught up since we last did one of these things. Did you end up buying your Apple Watch Series 6? I did. What's the I, verdict? The compass is worthless. Oh. Yeah? <laughs> really bad. Actually, they do say, in fairness, that some watch bands can interfere. And I do have a metal Melanie's Loop watch band. I keep thinking I'll put a sport band on it and see if it does any better, but <laughs> it really doesn't do a good job. That's disappointing. I know you were really looking is. forward to that. What about I the was. battery life for you? The battery life is great. Right. Okay. No see, problem. I've got absolutely abysmal battery life. Do you have a six? Yes, I bought yeah. the six. And, and one of the reasons why I bought the six was I was getting not very satisfactory life on my five. And I kept thinking, well, maybe I just got a slightly daddish five. But what's interesting is I've given my series five to my son-in-law and he has, uh, you know, obviously paired it with his phone. He's getting great battery life. So it's something to do with my configuration, not the actual hardware and now that I know for certain I am not buying the next iPhone, I guess I will spend uh, find some time over the next couple of days to unpair everything, uh, restore from a backup, and see if that helps. But I'm getting absolutely abysmal. I mean, to the point that I'm not even using the sleep tracking, and I can, say, put the watch on after charging it at, let's say, 10.30 at night, wake up at 6, so the thing's been in standby the whole night, and it can be below 80%. Last night they came out with version watchOS 7.0.2 and they yes. said it was to fix battery life. Yeah, and my trouble is I'm on the 7.1 beta cycle, ah. um, hoping that that would fix it. And so I'm hoping that that fix will be deployed, but very, very disappointed in the battery life. But no, it, and, and I see other people on Reddit and things like that experiencing the same thing, but not mm -hmm. everybody is. So I've been chosen. Chosen. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you guys watch it with audio description today, the Apple event? Yes. yes. Yep. Yeah. I was caught unawares. We watched it on YouTube last time, and it wasn't described on YouTube. So it wasn't until after the fact that we found out that it had been audio described. And I do wish that Apple would kind of communicate these things. It would be great if there was an Apple accessibility official account on Twitter that said, by the way, we'll audio describe this. But we were ready for it today, and we did watch it on the uh, Apple app, and it was it was interesting. I wonder what they do to the guy 
who gets chosen to do the audio description? You know, do they sort of lock him up in a little cell until the event after he's done it? Or, you know? <laughs> Maybe it's an Apple employee. Yeah, well, I I recognize the voice. I've heard him describing things so, too, for yeah. Netflix and yeah, and yep. I, <laughs> I the same thought. Yeah, yeah. And so it was good to have the audio description. What did you guys think of the um, the event itself? Now that we've done three of these, where there's been no audience, no sort of sycophantic cheering and clapping at every turn, would you go back to the way it used to be? <laughs> I like it this way. Yeah, you know, I I do. There is something neat to hearing the plot, the applause reactions, but I do kind of like the Christmas of this, just that the pacing, uh, you know, and and of course with the audio description, that's great. Too. You get to hear all the transitional stuff as they go around Apple Park and you know, and, and to different rooms and things. That was that was kind of neatly done, I thought. We found out that Tim Cook was wearing jeans and a turtleneck sweater, but we didn't find out what anybody else was wearing. Yeah. I see, just head and shoulders, was it? And there was oh, a no, whole no, hang no, of a lot of blue. Everyone. Yeah. Everything yeah. was blue. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but hats off to Apple for doing that. It's really cool to have the audio description, uh, especially with some of those more tricky videos where in the past you'd sit there thinking, what are they doing with all this music playing in the background? So that was really, really cool. And one now thing we found out really we're cool. not missing much at all. Yeah. 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 And one thing that was really cool with the audio description is they're telling you stuff that hasn't actually been said in the presentation yet. So with the iPhones, they were talking about the different types of cameras, but that didn't come until later in the presentation. So the audio description actually knew about it first. I think the audio description purists would say, actually, that's not really cool, that with audio description, you're not supposed to spoil the plot that way. But um, I imagine it's quite a high-pressure environment describing that thing. Yeah. And, and and in some cases, there wasn't a lot of room for the poor guy to add the description. No, no. he was talking pretty quickly. <laughs> so let's move on to the products. And really, there are only two, broadly speaking. I mean, there's the HomePod Mini, and then there's the iPhone range. Uh, who owns a HomePod among us? Anybody have a, a HomePod currently? I do. Nope. Yes, I do. Right. What do you think of it, Judy? Because you've you've got Sonos, you've got the Amazon products, and HomePod too. So where does it we stack have, up for you? We have four of them on the back of our kitchen table. <laughs> so four. Uh, <laughs> it, it's a you know it amuses us. Um, it's we have an Echo, we have a Google Home Max, we have a HomePod, and we have a invoke speaker with cortana so uh but she's going away anyway the home pod it's it's really nice in a, in a lot of ways the most frustrating part of it is that siri is still nowhere close to either echo or google home as far as asking it a question but uh, other than that, and for playing music, it's terrific. It sound the sound really is for for its size. The sound really is quite extraordinary. And one thing I didn't uh, didn't find out from this about the HomePod Mini, did they give any indication of how big it is? What's um, the dimension? On, on the website, it says it's three point three inches tall, ah, and it oh. remind. I don't know if you have the Amazon Echoes that sort of look like a tennis ball shape but they have like the screen on them they look sort of like that except no screen so kind of like just a round ball with a flat top and bottom so the home pod mini doesn't have a screen no no 
And I, I agree. I mean, Siri's the weakest link, isn't it, with all of this? Very uh, much But so. it sounds like they've done some work on it. I don't think the HomePod, the full version that you have, Judy, does it currently recognize different speakers automatically? It does. It does, it does do, do that. that. Okay, so that's mm-hmm. not new. And yeah. the nice How thing, would you- my um, Apple Watch can find my phone that it's, that's, that it's paired with, but it can't find any other phones in the house. So the HomePod can find every phone. It's, just, <laughs> it's really funny to say, find my phone, and it lists all the phones. Which one are you looking for? Right. So that's good. How would you say it compares in sound, say, to a Sonos Play 1, or Sonos 1, rather, which I guess is at a similar price point, although with this one, they're, they're coming in very aggressively at $99. So perhaps they're going for the Echo Dot market or something. But how, how does a sound compare for you? I would say it's a better sound than a Sonos One. It's it's brighter. It's a fuller range. Uh, it's the sound is clearly its best thing. It's pretty amazing, and it does have voiceover. Yes, not that, not that you really need it, but it does have it. Yes, and that three sixty degrees sound. We recently invested when we travelled in a little Bose speaker that has the three sixty. You know, it's it's round, and the sound just comes from everywhere, and it's very good. And of course, I presume the HomePod Mini continues to have that uh, feature where it adapts automatically to the environment that it's playing in. They made the point of talking about individual tracks and EQing each track for optimal sound, which is pretty good. But then they also look at the room acoustics. What I'm interested in is the point they made about holding your iPhone near it and it the, acting like they're physically connected. I mean, to just not have to even airplay, but just put it near it and it suddenly, I, I, I would really like that. This was a good revelation on Apple's part because we have been wondering what is Apple's future for the U1 Ultra Band chip that they started including in iPhones last year. And the only thing they've really been using it for is the airdrop feature where you can be quite directional and point your phone at another phone and it prioritizes that one. And, of course, we hear that um, the U1 chip is critical to air tags, which we still don't have. (laughs) 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 No air tags. And it's in the watch. It's in the watch series six as well. Now it's in this HomePod mini. So clearly they've got some cool ideas the For those not aware, the U1 chips are very direction and proximity sensitive. You can get very minute about locations there. So, yes, that was a very interesting feature. The intercom feature, I really felt that Apple oversold that in saying that only Apple would be capable of producing something like the intercom feature. Because unless I'm misunderstanding something, what they describe, I can do exactly with the Amazon Echo products already. That's the only thing the I can only think thing- of there is that it interfaces with your other Apple products. So you can you can use the intercom with your iPhones and everything else in addition to those speakers, right? But I get so, that through the Alexa I, app. I do too. I Well, I get my um, announcements that I do on the Echo. I get it on my phone as, mm. a, as a notification. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so that's why I thought, oh, that's a little bit of a stretch. And, of course, you can get an app called Voice in a Can for Apple Watch. I'm not sure if that pushes those particular notifications. but I don't think it does because I have yeah. it on my watch. Like... Yeah, so I guess we'll give them that one on the Apple Watch side. But, um, yeah, I, I'm interested that Apple is continuing to invest 
in this space because they've got the tiniest of market shares with HomePod. And you might have thought, I guess they had the choice of either um, quietly withdrawing and not doing much with the HomePod, which tends to be what they've done in the last couple of years, or perhaps saying, okay, what have we learned? And I guess they're just trying to go for the lower end of the market with a product that, that still sounds great. And I mean, there's no doubt when you walk into, say, a store and you look at laptop computers and you go to the Macs, and especially when you start to listen to the sound of, say, a MacBook Pro, my goodness. I mean, Apple really does well at sound, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like that might tempt me. Now that they've they've got these minis and it's like 99, that's still Canadian. That's that's like <laughs> basically double that, right? So, uh, but it is, you know, that moves it into the range of, of possible uh, I don't know that I'd get two of them for the stereo experience, although that would be interesting. But I, I can sort of see myself maybe getting, considering getting one. Uh, you know, and, and because I'm, I'm in the Apple ecosystem so much, that would suit the music and everything else that I use. So that, that right. it brings it into range, I think, for a lot more people. They could, they could have a surprise hit with that. So like Sonos and similar offerings, you can do two things. You can buy a bunch of them and spread them across your house. And alternatively, you can get two in close proximity. I wonder whether the U1 chip plays a part in that too, possibly. And then they will be stereo and you'll get, uh, I'm sure, pretty impressive sound with that. They made a couple of comments that struck me and I, because I wrote them down. Um, they pointed out recently that... Uh, Siri had become faster. I must say, I have experienced the opposite. I have seen Siri increasingly do things like, hmm, still trying, and and on and on it goes. And I don't know whether that's a regional thing, but I found Siri taking sometimes more than 10 seconds making hmm noises before it actually gives me an answer. What What are you guys finding with that? It's pretty good for my experience. It's been you know, getting kind of better over time. Nothing huge like the jump they talk about now with the five. You know, however many times faster and 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 what is it? Twenty times more facts. Like I haven't noticed it getting like it that it knows more. Uh, so I don't know what they're counting as a fact. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, uh, what about alternative facts, right? Do they count as, as sort of... <laughs> uh, I found something on the web about alternative facts. Take a look. I, I think the facts thing is like the built-in ones where it doesn't have to go to the web. Yes, so but I mean, I can't find more. that many new ones. Yeah. No, I haven't either. I have I have heard the hmm a few times lately. And I, I, yeah. I actually have the same experience. I think it's getting worse. Yes, yeah, and TuneIn was another one that jumped out at me because I get oodles, I get inundated and inundated with complaints because all of a sudden Mushroom FM and a number of other uh, radio stations, it's not just us, thank goodness, <laughs> otherwise I'd be thinking maybe they don't like what I've been saying about the Apple Watch, but no, it's a, it's a number of other uh, stations, quite a significant number, have dropped off Apple Music and therefore Siri support and so I was interested when they talked about the HomePod Mini, they specifically mentioned TuneIn as one of the directories that they are leveraging. And it gives me hope 
that whatever we're experiencing at the moment could possibly be some sort of bug that will get resolved and that Mushroom FM and, and many other stations will come back to Siri. Yeah, let's hope. Make my life easier. <laughs> uh, anything you want to tell us about the visuals, the aesthetics of the HomePod Mini, Heidi? Um, I don't know if the original HomePod had volume buttons, but this one does, but it's like a flat like screen, so they're not tapped out top. at all by the looks of it. Oh, the buttons yeah, on, on, top? on the top. Yes, yeah. that's, how, that's how the other one is too. Okay. So they haven't made any improvements there. Um, yeah. Other than that, I think I've covered it. Just like the round shape with the flat top and bottom. It's got Sounds pretty like a lights, mini, but I don't Literally know. a miniature version of the current HomePod. I think the current HomePod is more like cylindrical, and this is yes, more ball-shaped. But other than that, it's very similar. So Here come old flat top bit come grooving up. <laughs> so uh, you're going to you're going to talk to the executive director of your financing about a HomePod Mini, Mike. Well, it, it's a thought. It's not a high priority, but it's a thought. <laughs> <laughs> what do you find, Judy? Uh, your experience to be regarding smart home support, because this could again be a regional thing here in New Zealand, but I find it much easier to find various smart home goodies that I can control with Amazon Echo and Google Home compared with HomeKit support, which seems to be the least supported of the protocols out there. That's true here as well. Mm, you know, all the all the smart home things we have, the plugs and the um I actually have a Harmony remote with a Harmony remote hub. So I can just say to um any of the A ladies around um, you know, turn on the TV and the TV comes on and, and mm. tunes to the right channel and all of that. Those sound so cool. I've been looking at those. Yeah. We we uh, have that with our Samsung TV as well, and it's uh, it, it's sweet. We can control our heating and everything, but we can't do it on the iPhone. We do have Philips Hue lights everywhere, and they work great with Siri, but it's the exception. And, and we actually had to make a decision when buying some smart plugs to do things like turning on the crockpot. Do we go with the uh, Amazon Echo ecosystem or ecosystem or do we go <laughs> with siri because we couldn't find one that did both in our market mm. yeah so and i raise that because smart home control is one of the things that they're touting as a big plus of the HomePod mini so that's HomePod mini uh 99 us dollars and it goes on pre-order what 6th of november i think is that right yes and it'll be available the sixth the week of the 16th of november Right. I also have the countries, which they didn't mention. I had to Google this. Um, you can, from the 6th, people in Australia, Canada, France, Germany, Hong Kong, India, Japan, Spain, the UK, and the US are available to order it. It's extraordinary that they don't have it here. And they also mentioned that it will be available in China, Mexico, Taiwan, and Taiwan later this year. But not New Zealand. But not New Zealand. Okay, well, if they don't want us, fine. We don't. <laughs> fine. <laughs> I'll crank up my Sonoses as well. Sonai. Sonai. <laughs> <laughs> right. Any other comments about the HomePod Mini before we move on? Nope. Well, I hope you get one. Will you get one, Judy, or are you happy with the – you got the bigger one anyway. That um, depends. If, if it is such that I can – 
take my iPhone and just set it next to it and it will all of a sudden start playing. I would be very interested because when I'm listening to podcasts, sometimes I'd get tired of headphones and I want to just, I have one of those speakers that you, uh, you can set a phone down on top of and it will amplify it. Mm. And, uh, it's it's fine, but it runs out of battery really fast, and 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 I assume this HomePod thing isn't even battery operated. So, but uh, I I I like the most convenient experience of being able to have my phone amplified. I can understand that. Well, if either of you get the Mini, I'd be really interested to hear what you make of it. And, of course, other listeners, if you decide to get the HomePod Mini, do let us know how you find it. That would be really interesting. One one thing from the website about, like, holding the phone near the HomePod, they're mm. now mentioning on the big HomePod page that you can just put your phone near it too. Oh, yeah? So I don't know if that's already a thing or if they're just oh. adding it as well, well we'll software kind of, support. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder how that's happening because unless they've secretly had the U1 chip for a while, I think that's highly unlikely. So anyway, we'll we'll learn more. Of course, we're recording this right after the event. And what you sometimes find is you get a little bit more detail, but also there are little tidbits that perhaps don't make the presentation that for me sometimes can be the tipping point. Like, for example, with the Apple Watch Series 6, we didn't know until people started scrutinizing the spec pages that they had gone to five gigahertz Wi-Fi. And I don't think we knew about the U1 chip and a few things like that. So we'll see what little goodies are tucked away. What iPhones are you driving at the moment, Mike and Judy? I've got a uh, 10R that I'm still very happy with. Mm-hmm. I have an 11 Pro. Right. Okay. I, I have a 10. Right. Yeah, I know what you've got. <laughs> <laughs> but the listeners might. Yeah, but the rest of us don't. Yeah. No, that's right. <laughs> Fair enough. I consider myself castigated. <laughs> <laughs> so is this enough, what, we, what we're going to talk about now, for anybody to say, gosh, I really want one of these iPhone 12 range? No. Yes. Yes? Ooh. Yes. Okay. So that's good. All right, so let's go through and uh, find out. Well, well, tell us, tell us why, Judy. What what is it about the iPhone twelve, particularly since you have the current model, that's really exciting you about it? Ever since I had an iPhone five S, I have missed the flat sides. I I found the iPhones with the flat sides so much easier to pick up and hold on to, and I still, all through. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and eleven have felt that the experience of just holding my phone in my hand feels precarious, and I'm very excited about the flat sides. Okay, well, see that Apple's calling you now with a special offer. <laughs> <laughs> if Heidi, if we picked up an iPhone 12, one of the iPhone 12 range, Yes. would we definitely be able to tactually, physically, immediately tell the difference between the iPhone 12 range and, say, the iPhone 11 range? I'm very certain you could. It looks a lot like the iPhone 5 range yeah. with the flat sides, like except it's the sizes of the phones we have now. So it's bigger, but it has the flat sides and the stupid camera bumps. So did you say it does have the camera bumps? Still? It has the stupid camera bumps yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the notch on the front. Oh, yeah. Have they done anything with the notch? That's what one of the things I was curious about. No, it's still there. 
looks the same. So they haven't shrunk the notch? Um, I mean, it doesn't look obviously shrunk. They might have done something on the little mini one, but it looks about the same. Mm. Um, Mike, how about you? How are you feeling about the iPhone 12 range in the context of the 10R that you have? It's it doesn't even budge me. Like the the okay the A14 chip that would be all right. I I could uh, I could certainly appreciate that. But really, like with all the focus was on the cameras, and I don't I I can't uh, imagine that all of that like that we'd have much use for any of it as blind people. You know, I mean maybe if you were a blind photographer, something like that. Sure. Uh, blind videographer uh but you know for the average joe who just wants to take a picture and and learn what the uh, note that uh, is the building gave him in print says or identify groceries or like i just i just cannot conceive that i would benefit much from that much obvious effort and expense put into the camera systems and very little else it didn't mention anything about battery life. Didn't mention anything about new sound, uh, or you know performance. Yes, they did cover some of that, and I can always go with faster performance. But but really, uh, you know, it, it, there's not much there. I guess I have a slightly more favorable view of the camera uh, for blind people. But I'm going to hand over to Judy on this because she keeps writing books about it. What what do <laughs> you what do you think, Judy? One thing that's really helpful about these camera improvements for blind people is the optical image stabilization. And we benefited hugely when they introduced it because um, a lot of blind people don't completely understand that it's really important to stay still when you take a picture. And the optical image stabilization apparently is improved, but only on the, as I understood it, only on the Pro Max. Yes, but it's already very, very good. So I, I, I don't know that it could benefit us. It, there, I think they're more about dark mode and times when you have your exposure set for two seconds. And, and that's when we're, I don't see too many of us doing things like that because that, that's photography for art rather than photography for utility. In addition to that, there were two things that stood out for me, well, three actually, as potential benefits. And I do think from memory they all relate to the pro range. One would be the wider field of view. So if you've got a slightly wider field of view, it means that you can be a little bit less precise about uh, It's not any wider than what we have now on the 11. It's 120. We have 120-degree ultra-wide band on the 11 now. They made the point that one of the cameras had widened it, I think, where where it wasn't the case in the 11, but I guess I have to go back and check that. Um, I think that was, was that the telephoto one where it's more zoomed in? Yes. Yes. They do have Which a, means a, it's, they, you can be further the, away. And see on that. the Pro Max, they have a telephoto that's more extensive than what we have now. But I, I, again, that's about zooming and taking pictures of things really far away. And again, I don't do that too much either. And but, okay, so the the improved night vision mode for low lighting conditions may possibly also add some value. It may. But for those who is, find it difficult to know whether they have enough lighting in in certain environments, well, but the I mean, phone it's, will it's, tell you that. It's true. The phone will yeah. tell you if you don't have enough lighting, and the phone will even tell you how long your exposure needs to be. All you have to do is just stay still. 
Yes. But, but, um, you know, and apparently that's improved. Yes. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the LiDAR scanner. That's exciting. And and that that for me was the thing that made me go, hmm, maybe. What do you think the blindness utility of this will be, Judy? This is a scanner that has the ability to precisely identify where something is. So it could tell you, you could point it at a chair and it could tell you the chair was, you know, 7.2 feet or something. But I think, I think this could be, and and especially because it may not, um, you know, you're looking around for a restroom and there's a door, you know, 14.8 feet to your left, you know, that could be useful information. And I think it could really help with indoor navigation. And I'm hoping some of these blindness app developers are going to get cre- very creative with how they use their indoor navigation rather than requiring, because I, I think all of these systems that require an infrastructure to be present before the indoor navigation is going to work are just dead on arrival. Yeah, because people can't agree on a standard. That's right. Yep. So, so there's a little incentive. So something like this, I think, has enormous impact. I guess what I think we'd all have to wrestle with is what's the lead time likely to be? So if we sit yeah. this Yeah, can you wait out, for next year's phone? Next yeah, season. yeah. <laughs> At least. Yeah, yeah At like least. To, to really you know, take advantage of these new capabilities. Like same with Apple Pay. I mean, it took you know quite a while from when it was first released to when I started using it. It was able to use it in Canada. Uh, you know, with with my bank cards and things like that, I could have waited a, you know, most of the time between that iPhone and the next one. So there's going to be a serial, I think, a similar period here where people are experimenting with obviously combining lidar with AI with the new camera. You know, maybe it it, it will all merge into a lot of new capabilities that we just can't imagine at the moment. I can easily see that happening. A couple of years ago, I started working with an app developer. Um, it was like, you know, what would you like an app to do? I want an app that can help me follow people, we would say in a line, you would say in a queue, but people, you know, in the back. So I could just point my phone at them. When they move, I move. And I don't have to stand so close to them. Now with social distancing, this yes. is even more important. Yes. And LiDAR could be able to do that. When do we get the phone? I mean, that, that it's, it's gonna, I'm sure the measure app is probably going to use it because now you can measure rooms and like, like those little machines that the real estate people have. And I, I just think, I, I, I think it's exciting. Yeah, me too. I am excited about what LiDAR will do. And I, I hope we hear from some of the developers, um, of these blindness apps to, to tell us what we might expect. Uh, but they'll be keeping their roadmaps pretty close to the vest, I think, as they uh, absorb what's coming. Although we've known that the LiDAR was going to be in the pro for goodness knows how long. This, I guess, takes us to the, as one of my staff regularly likes to say, the elephant in the room. This is 5G, and I really feel like I'm the old get-off-my-lawn grinchy guy on this one. I think people's expectations of 5G in most markets, with the exception of those who have really good Verizon MM wave coverage, uh, will 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 be dashed. 
I, I think 5G on the iPhone is probably the incentive that a lot of carriers need to ramp it up. But the reality is that because most 5G, and it was telling that they picked on Verizon and, and gave all that exposure to them, because Verizon really is rolling out this MM wave technology in the United States. But for a lot of carriers around the world, they're piggybacking on their 4G infrastructure. And really, latency and speed is not that much better at the moment with 5G. And in fact, there have been some use cases where uh, speed and latency has not been as good with 4G. And I, I really thought that it was a bit of a stretch for Tim Cook to say, oh, you, if you get an iPhone with 5G, you won't need to connect to wireless hotspots that are insecure in public <laughs> as much as you used to. Because come on, Tim, no, yeah. <laughs> no, I, no wireless hotspot is going to be anywhere near as good as the speed you can get on a good 4G LTE true. connection today. Uh, what's 5G like where you are, Mike? And in, in, uh, you're it's, in you're in Toronto, right? Yeah, and and Rogers, yeah. I just saw actually today uh, there was something about them rolling out in in a bunch of more cities, something like 70 different locations. They're rolling out their 5G, but I don't have any sense of people's experience with it. Like uh, I, you hear about you know the possibilities of especially in crowded areas and things and, st and venues that you'd get you know perfect internet and all this but i you know no one's really you know commented on on experience with it that i've found and you know frankly i'm thinking again i this is something that is a sleeper hit it's going to you know be there in the background for a while and then you know a couple of years down the road you know, 5G will be fully emerged and then those people, it'll be one of those things you'll be thankful to have, you know, but up to that point, uh, it's, it's kind of a, a bit, a bit iffy. Like there's, uh, there's no, like I'm perfectly happy with what I've got now in terms of, of my, uh, 4G speeds. And, uh, sure. I mean, who wouldn't want faster, you know, be able to download Wikipedia in like five seconds flat. Sure. But I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it seems a little gimmicky now to me, um, you know, maybe, but again, same with this, the whole voiceover thing, right? With their features, uh, you know, with, with the recognition stuff. I mean, there's another case where I think down the, like a year from now, when developers really get a handle on what this does and really start to employ it, I mean, then we'll, we'll really start to see that the massive benefits of, of what Apple's introduced there. I think these the 5G and the LiDAR are kind of in the same camp. Are you on Verizon, Judy? No, I'm on AT&T. What's, so, what's your understanding of 5G? I mean, AT&T's got themselves into hot water for calling yes. uh, their sort of 4.5G 5G for some time. And so I my think phone's been saying 5G for years. Yeah. Yeah, and, and this is another problem that I mentioned on last uh, weekend show. 48% of Americans in a recent survey thought their iPhone already did 5G. Well, I can see why they would think that, because it says it. <laughs> but so my, does, this, does this excite you, the, the 5G? Not much, because my issue with it is is it's fine if you're outdoors. Um I find, you know, I don't get good cell phone coverage indoors almost anywhere. I might see one bar or maybe two if I'm lucky. So I don't think that, and unless you have, unless you're in a building with an indoor antenna, 
or or something like that, you know, you you may not. We don't have good indoor coverage in our own house. Right. Well, I'll be happy right. to keep using my Wi-Fi. And here in New Zealand, I guess it does depend on the use case and what you have in your particular country. 5G is rolling out ever so slowly in New Zealand. One carrier is streets ahead of uh, the others right now. But, of course, we also have this fibre-to-the-home infrastructure that has been laid over the last decade or so. And that means, for example, that we have very low-latency gigabit fibre anyway. And with fewer people sort of getting out and about, I don't, I don't travel the world like I used to. I have to think, what will this actually mean for my daily life, given my use case right now and the infrastructure that we actually have access to? The thing about the MM wave that Verizon, I think, is calling 5G ultra wideband or something gimmicky like that, Mm -hmm. is that the towers have to be in abundance. You have to be in quite a short distance from the towers to get the speed that they're talking about. Otherwise, you'll fall back to the more traditional 5G or even LTE. Uh, and it's important for those listening from outside the US to appreciate that the really high-speed 5G, that appears to be confined to the US for now, that you can't get the uh, MM wave version of the iPhone unless you're in the United States. Hmm. Um, I also didn't hear, and I don't know whether you can pull up the specs on this, Heidi, but mm-hmm. there was some concern that in the UK they've kind of gone off on this unique little uh, tangent and uh, they're rolling out uh, 5G on 700 megahertz. And there was some concern from leakers that the iPhone 12s may not support the 700 megahertz 5G frequency because it's a bit unorthodox and that may be an issue for UK customers. But uh, I don't know that. I don't know whether they've said what frequencies they support for 5G and whether you can pull that up on the specs, Heidi, or... Um, I will quickly investigate. What the deal is. Can you talk and multitask at the same time? Uh, uh, Probably not. Not much. No? I was just going to ask what you thought of the whole 5G thing. <laughs> oh, I mean, it seems kind of cool, but also, I mean, I don't know if I really need it. Plus, I don't live in Palmerston North, which seems to be the only place in New Zealand that has it on the network. On your on. carrier, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why there? <laughs> We have no idea. Oh, because it's one of the coolest places on earth. Well, it is a nice place. I've actually been there. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of lots of windmills there. Yes, yes. So uh, I think people need to think about what their use case is. I'm not trying to downplay it. I, I also one of the reasons why I think I probably will sit this one out is that it's such a big leap. For any carrier, for, for any provider, I realize that Apple's got a lot of engineers and they'll have a lot riding on this and they will have done a lot of testing. I see they said they've uh, done in-field testing with 800 carriers around the world, but it's still a lot of new technology in this year's iPhone in terms of one of the fundamental things we use it for, the cellular radio. And I suspect that when we get to the 12S model, you'll find that they've optimized an awful lot in terms of power usage and and things like that. So if you're if you're the kind of person who buys an iPhone every year, then fair enough. But if you would like <laughs> to sit one out for you know, maybe buy one every three years or so, can't imagine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that that would be a radical idea. I, I I'm just not sure. Flat sides. Given the pandemic, you made a really interesting comment, Mike. I want to come back to because I made a note about this too. 
You listen to podcasts these days and even interviews on TV and radio, and you hear the crappiest audio because so many people are using VoIP for interviews and things like that. And I do wish that in addition to all the lovely photography stuff, including Dolby Vision video, and that, that that's fantastic. I'm not knocking it. But wouldn't it be great if Apple could turn their amazing engineering genius to fixing some of the abysmal quality of these audio things that we have to put up with on interviews these days? Yes, <laughs> I would welcome that kind of thing, particularly with AirPods. I'd, I'd love to be able to use those more in uh in conversations and things that would be just the epitome of handiness. Uh, and it's fine for phone conversations, things like that, but for recording, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little less to, than, uh, than desirable. <laughs> yes. But, I have to try and coax interviewees ever so gently. Please do not use those things. They sound terrible on, on interviews. Yeah. Does it bug you, Judy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And I think for those of us with hearing impairments, it's worse. I, mean, I I have been really looking forward to certain podcast interviews, for example, and have actually used my little Castro shortcut to skip the episode when I find that it sounds like somebody's talking in the bath. I can't believe the room ambience that so many rooms around the world have. I mean, they're really bouncy, echoey rooms, and those omnidirectional mics on webcams or whatever just seem to really exacerbate the bounce. These days, with so many people working from home, we're now hearing it on newscasts and yes. everything else. It's really quite surprising sometimes the audio quality has deteriorated so badly. And you hear agencies that used to pride themselves on good quality audio, like the BBC, letting the most awful sounding audio to air. You know, it's just it's just abysmal. Ah. Did we, did we find out any more about the frequencies of the iPhone 12, Heidi? Um, well, I found info, but I don't know what any of it means. I see. Because it's all in N and then a bunch of numbers for the 5G bands. Okay. But from what I can find, it's confusing. That That's all I've got. So according to this other website I found from the UK – it says that band 42 is the 5G frequency in the UK. And according to the iPhone specs, it doesn't seem to have that band. Interesting. Okay, so some of those leakers but, could be right. But, but it depends on which section which carrier you? of, your, of the specs you're looking at because there's a 5G band section and 42 is not in there. But there's an LTE section and 42 is in there. Right. So Ooh. I don't really know. Okay, well, I've, I've no doubt that people who are interested in this um, will be able to find authoritative uh, clarification on this point, but it might just pay to check because pre-orders for some of these models start this Friday. And that, now, just for those who didn't follow the event, we have four models, exactly as I said we would in the last uh, episode of the podcast. So we've got the 12 Mini, the 12, and then the 12 Pro and the 12 Pro Max, um, the Mini will appeal to quite a few people, I think. It sounds really small. Um, how does it compare with iPhones of old in terms of the size? Uh, that was confusing because they kept talking about screen size rather than Rather than size. physical size, yes. yes. They, they did have a beautiful photo, but I have to find it again. Yeah. 
Because I know that when when did this happen? Was it with the six, I think? And the iPhones got quite a bit bigger. And a lot of people lamented it at the time and said, well, never oh. buy Apple again. But of course, when Apple does these things, the rest of the industry follows. So it was pretty difficult to get a small phone. The and original- then they brought out the the first SE, and people loved that for the size. Yes, the first SE. I have still have one of those. All right. And uh, it would be wonderful if it was that size. I'd really have a tough time deciding what to get. But I, I need think- to visit the Judy Dixon Museum of <laughs> Technology. <laughs> okay, I've, I've got some comparisons on sizes. Um, so they compared them initially to the iPhone 8, I think, the last one with the home button. And I've just looked it up and so an iPhone 8 or similar was 5.45 inches tall so from top to bottom the iPhone 12 mini is 5.18 inches mm. tall mm-hmm. so however much that is like 0.3 inches shorter so it's a bit smaller than say an iPhone 8 or a iPhone 6 or that sort of lineup mm-hmm. People are welcome there. It's the width that I'm much more interested in. Okay, the width. You can be tall as once. Okay, uh, the width of the iPhone 8, again, uh, that was 2.65 inches, and the mini is 2.53 inches, so very slightly so very slightly smaller. I can also compare it to, like, an iPhone 11, for example. Um, and that one, it, it's a lot narrower than an 11. An 11 was 2.98 inches, and this is 2.53 inches, so about half an inch difference. So it's good for smaller hands. But it still sounds like it's similar to the new SE. Yes. So if you were on the market, because the new SE is still on the market at three ninety nine, and I think Apple should really be applauded. You've you've got iPhones right across the range right now in terms of price points, uh, with pretty current technology. And I think that's exciting for those who are, are on limited incomes and want all the benefits of accessibility that uh, iPhone offers. So that's really cool. So what what is it? I guess you, you, if you go for the SE two, you don't get five G. You don't get the A14 Bionic. You, there are some camera improvements even in the Mini, aren't there? That you wouldn't have. That they'd be marginal for blind people. Just yeah. trying to think about the, the the differences there. You don't get the MagSafe stuff. Oh, we haven't talked about. Oh, we haven't that. talked about. That. Oh, yes. Yeah. Every look every like time it? every time I hear MagSafe, it like sends me into trauma because I hated those on the Mac when I had a Mac. <laughs> the way the cable would so easily fall out, you know, when you didn't want it to fall out and you didn't realize you weren't charging anymore. Uh, uh, anybody excited about MagSafe on the iPhone? Well, I'd have to see it. I like the hmm. idea. Like if it could help center you, because I do have, you know, I'll put it down on the Wi-Fi pad, uh, wireless charging pad sometimes and and not have it quite right. So if it can help you really center in that sense, I like that thought. Uh, now that, but does that mean that that that'll only work on MagSafe wire wireless charging pads? Like, like they say it's it's Qi compatible, but you know if if you if it doesn't give you feedback to help you center the phone on some friend's pa- uh, charging pad when you're out and about, like uh, I don't I don't know. Like it, uh, I, I guess the the chargers they're talking about can travel easily, so that's that's one For that, thing. Go ahead. I think in regards to um, it still being 
chi or chi, whatever we call it, chi, yeah. chi compatible, is it saying that the magnets inside it are not going to affect the induction charging? So you can still use the old wireless chargers you have, but it's not going to align. Right. Ah. So the idea with this, for those who weren't following the keynote, is that if you have your good old wireless charger uh, that you've been using for ages, you can still lie the phone on top of that and just listen, I guess, for the for the bleep that, to tell you that the, the phone is centered enough to be charging and all will continue as normal. If you go with some of these new accessories, there are if you use the phone caseless or you are using one of the new iPhone 12 cases, then you'll feel a very sort of satisfying snap as this accessory sort of latches onto the back because of magnetism and will give you some, I guess, assuredness that you are indeed charging. I was also really pleased to see they've just slightly upped the wattage of the charging on these iPhones to 15 watts now. That's up from 10, isn't it? Yes, 10 maximum at the moment. So it will charge ever so slightly faster with a wireless charger. Uh, Also, Belkin is coming out with some interesting accessories, and Apple has come out with one that charges your Apple Watch and your iPhone with the one charger. So as Mike says, if you're traveling, that could be quite handy, just one less device to uh, have to worry about. Um, In regards to the MagSafe charger, they've shown one that looks a lot like an Apple Watch charger, so it's the round puck with the wire coming off mm-hmm. so and then they've also got ones that look like the wireless charging pads that we know like the big circles or squares or whatever that you lay it on top of so there's a few different options by the looks of it okay also of course we should note that as widely predicted apple has withdrawn <laughs> the charging brick from the iphones oh, and also earpods not airpods but earpods the little the little lightning-based um, earbuds that were quite uncomfortable, people tell me, and that came with the iPhone, and they uh, spun that quite remarkably in terms of all the amazing... <laughs> to preserve uh, the environment. By the way, yeah. if, you're, if you're a newcomer to our universe, you have to now buy a separate a charger and... That's right. If, if, oh, my goodness. I, I shudder to think of that. Like, I, I can... As someone who has many spares lying around, I, I can appreciate it for myself, but... Boy, for beginners, that is... Uh... They should give them away free. Yeah. Yes, they should. And, and yes, I think so. And also, I mean, why stop there? If, um, if they are saying that they've made all these environmental savings by keeping the brick and the ear pods out of the, ca- uh, the box, then wh- why not just leave the iPhone out of it? And imagine the environmental impact of that. We could just send you the box. But how about the box? The box has Yeah, you could unbox it and have that stuff. wonderful Apple unboxing experience and, and there'd be no iPhone. And the environmental impact would be huge. <laughs> Do you know what really annoyed me the most about them removing the charging brick? They've changed the cable. Why does that annoy you? Because it used to be a USB-A to lightning cable, Mm -hmm. right? So all my wall plugs are USB-A. It's now a USB-C to lightning cable. So if I want a wall plug, I have to buy a new one or get an adapter. You can still still charge it with a USB because it's only USB-C on the charging, on the power end. It's USB, it's lightning on the phone end, and you can yeah, still yeah, charge but I, it. I can still charge the phone the same way. Yes. But my wall plugs are USB-A. Yes. But yeah. you can so st- all you need is a U- lightning to USB-A cable, which you already have. 
Yeah, but it's annoying because imagine this is my first. <laughs> let's say right. I've switched from Android, and yeah. I have a USB A wall plug, and they're not including a wall plug. To many, I now have to go out and get a new brick to charge this phone. Yeah, yeah, because they're not including it in the box. Yeah, I completely understand the point that you're making, but I guess counter to that would be the world's going USB C, isn't it? So eventually, something's going to require you to buy a USB-C charging brick that plugs into the wall. Something is. Yeah. Um, you would think with a premium product like Apple, though, that that something would be included in the box. Yeah. <laughs> it was last year. Last year, they also had USB-C to Lightning. Oh, okay. My, I, my 11 Pro came with USB-C and a USB-C wall charger. Yes. And it charges fast, doesn't it? Because it? it's an 18-watt charger. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I really like uh I really like the charging. So that's quite interesting. So you've got fifteen watts now on the wireless versus eighteen. It's getting pretty close. Uh, mm-hmm. that thing should charge quite fast, actually, yes. the new iPhone twelve. There. All right, let's just go. I'm going through my notes here, uh looking at prices. So we have six hundred and so it, it is a big difference, isn't it? Because you, you can get an iPhone SE second generation at three ninety nine, I believe. Um, if you want the iPhone 12 mini, that starts at $699. So big price difference there for, I'm not sure how much value it adds. You get, yeah, as I say, you get the 5G fa- slightly faster. Well, quite a bit faster, I suppose. But Smaller. anyway, yeah, yeah, think about that carefully. And um, then you've got $799. That's the starting point for the iPhone 12. One thing they also said in there that was interesting was that the base models were starting at 128 gigabytes, but I wasn't clear if that was just for the Pro models or whether the iPhone 12 mini and iPhone 12. I wonder about started. that because they usually give the whole range of what capacities the phones are going to be available in. And they didn't, yeah, we don't they know the max on, on any of these. Okay, so the regular range, the non-pro range, yeah. starts at 64 gigabytes, okay. and there's also oh, a 128 yeah. and a 256. The pro range starts at 128, there's a 256 and a 512. Mm. So then go to the 1TB. No. I was wondering if they were doing that. Yeah. Uh, it, d- diminishing marginal utility, though, because I find that um, – the more I progress in life, the more I'm soaring in the cloud and the less important storage is. So I, I, I think if I, I was buying another one, I'd, I'd hit the 256. That's what I've gotten. My 11 Pro was 256, and I'll probably get two because I don't come anywhere close to, to filling it. Well, mine's 512 at the moment, so there. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty happy with my 256 uh, iPhone yeah, 10R. That I've is a- come nowhere close to um for, you know, to, to filling out my 512. So if I were to get another one at some points, um, I'd go for the for the uh, 256. But of course, now that I've resolved not to get the 12 this year, I, I, I can consider, you know, I budgeted for the new iPhone just in case. Now I have a little bit of discretionary technology spending. Well, you have lots of kids who love technology. <laughs> 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 Anything else about the iPhone 12 that we haven't covered that that is important? I found the battery life. Oh, okay. Let's have cool, a look at cool. that. So the iPhone 12 and then the smaller Pro one both have 17 hours of video playback battery life. That's what they're judging it by. And the do, I- we, do we know what that compares with in terms of the 11? Uh, 
Hold on. To take a and quick 11 also break. has 17 hours. Right, okay. Um, the That's iPhone 12 mini has 15. Right, smaller battery because it's a smaller phone, so you'd expect that. Mm-hmm. Yep. But the the Pro Max one Whoa. has 20 hours. Whoa. That's Dude. a pretty big jump. Yeah, bigger battery because big bigger phone. Yeah, Which is yeah. the same as the 11 Pro Max. Yeah. And for me, it was always buying the, the Max ones was the, the larger screen real estate for the browse screen input and the bigger battery. I really appreciate it. I must say that the – do you have the – you just have the Pro, not the Pro Max. Is that right, Judy? Yes. Doug has yeah. the Pro Max. I, I Okay. I must say the Pro Max – uh iPhone 11 Pro Max has had absolutely stunning battery life for me. I mean, uh it's like certain times when I would travel in the past with an iPhone 10 or less or fewer or whatever, I uh, would always clip on one of those battery cases or make sure that I was carrying an external battery just in case I needed a quick refuel. And the iPhone 11 Pro Max has freed me of that completely. Um I've just such an abundance of juice by the end of the day. It's fantastic. Wish I could say the same about my Apple. <laughs> I have a battery case because I, I usually get them every year. And I, because of COVID, I suppose mostly, I've hardly used it because I don't go anywhere. So I don't need a battery case. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I, I haven't really, at night, my iPhone 11 Pro still has 40% or so. So it's yeah. fine. Yeah. So if you want one of these new phones, you can order – what can you order Yeah, they were, on, that was confusing because it's two models that don't seem to go together. It wasn't – Right. A, I think it's to do with size. So the iPhone – yes, it is. So Yeah, it's the, the, the 12 and the 12, 12 Pro. And the iPhone 12 Pro go on sale this Friday, the 16th of October, for pre-order. So if you uh, want either of those – um, because essentially that's the same form factor. It must be to do with manufacturing. Yeah, yeah that's the they're both the six point one inch. Yeah, display. Same form factor, different features. So if you want the Pro and the Pro Max, uh, sorry, I'm doing it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. If you want the if you want the twelve and the twelve Pro, you can go ahead and pre order on Friday, this coming Friday, as we record this. If you want the Pro Max, so that's the big Kahuna. Mm-hmm. or the mini, the tiny one, then you can pre-order that on November the 6th, and then you'll receive it on the 13th of November. Is that right? That's right. Or that, or right. sometime mm-hmm. that week. I'm sure I'll be castigated if I'm wrong <laughs> by the multitudes, and justifiably so. Heidi, what about this blue that the – Oh, colors, today? yes. People do care about the colors. People Not like me, it. but people do. Okay. I do. The Pacific yeah, – There you go. Is it nice? So, yeah, so it's the same. It looks like the same blue that the Series Six watches came with. Oh, um, huh. which is yeah, that like makes sense. Deep, royally ish blue. I don't know what they actually call it. They're just calling it blue here. Pacific blue, they call it. Okay, yeah. So it looks pretty much the same as that one. Hmm. They also have green, which is like a sea foam green, so quite a light green. Uh, the product red. And then the, the, they've just gone back to black and white. There's no more like space gray or silver. There is on the Pro, though. It's Yeah, so those are yeah, the, the 12 and the 12 mini have those colors. Yeah. And then on the Pro. The Pro range, yeah. They're actually calling it Pacific Blue, and it's a yeah. slightly different blue ah. to the blue on the other ones. Oh. Uh, so the Is it a better blue? 
I like the one on I hope the... so, because it's the Pro. Oh, I think the one on the 12 looks nice. What? <laughs> <laughs> What's the, how are they different? Um, <laughs> so where the 12s are like a more deeper royally blue, the Pacific blue has more like greeny undertones, mm-hmm. if that makes the sense. greeny yep. undertones. Um, and then the Pros also come in gold, graphite, which is like the stainless steel Series 6, so it's like replacing yeah. space grey. That's what I got. And silver. Yeah. I noticed that when they talked about the, the different phones and they were describing them, they kind of gave the impression that the, the Pro range looked classier, I guess because it had that stainless steel band. And I mean, if, if you were to just look at someone holding it going by, would you immediately think, oh, my gosh, they've got the Pro. This looks so much classier than the the 12 (laughs) or the Mini. You know, how subtle is the difference is my question. I think they're both shiny, so I think you'd have to. Oh, my precious. I think walking by you probably wouldn't notice due to, like, the stainless steel versus whatever the other one is. But you would notice based on the cameras because it's three cameras versus two cameras on the back. With the, The Pros have three. And the non-pros just have two. As you look at the specs, is there anything jumping out at you that they didn't mention that might be interesting? Um, I mean, I take it there's no change to the Wi-Fi because they had Wi-Fi 6 before, and I don't think there's been really any evolution in Wi-Fi since then. They had Bluetooth. They had Bluetooth 5. Yeah. So I I just just, uh, don't know if there's any surprise tucked away in there. I'm just looking. While you do that, I guess in terms of what wasn't covered, you I, I guess these production processes take so long. Um, if they had been able to react to COVID, say, by doing what they did with one of the iPads and putting Touch ID back in on the power button or the side button, I think that would have been really welcome because people wearing face masks do find face ID a bit of a pain. And uh, there's been talk of touch screen based, uh, under screen touch ID as well. So we didn't get that. And that's the kind of thing that you do get in S models with iPhones, isn't it? That they they do these big upgrades with the form factor. And that tends to be the wow. You know, they've got the 5G, they've got the new form factor. And then next year they look at the kind of value adds, maybe like bringing touch ID back in some way and various things like that. And it'll be the same form factor as this one. Did the 11 support Dolby Atmos? Yes. Okay. It did. Yep. Well, in that case, doesn't look that different. Yeah. It, it, even my 10R does, actually. Right. Support okay. Dolby Atmos. Yeah. There you go. Wow. There's probably no higher kind of sound they can they can go to now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they could obviously improve the speakers more, but... Uh, so there's a lot that we still know is supposed to be in the Apple pipeline. We saw today in the tech press that eight new Mac variants have been registered on various databases. And I do apologize for the passive voice there. Um, but we're looking for new Apple Silicon Macs. We're also looking for air tags, but some pretty reliable sources say that we're not getting air tags until March of next year. And, you know, these things have been around code in the operating system for so long you do wonder whether that project is running into trouble like air power well, i was just going to say that yeah. like air power yeah 
I kind of yeah. thought we'd we'd might have a bit more with i uh, air AirPods and maybe another uh, move in that space. But well, there was a rumor about that. Well, there was also the suggestion that we were going to get new Beats products um, over their ear studio headphones and that kind of thing, and they weren't. We might announced. get that without an event. Yes, yes, possibly. You would think, though, that with the big breakthrough that Apple Silicon is supposed to be representing, perhaps there will be an event for those in November or whenever they're ready to announce. Um, you Have you ever owned a Mac, Judy? I have not. Well, actually, that's not true. I had an um, Air, um, the little the MacBook, MacBook Air. Air, the yeah. little tiny with the 11-inch one for... I tried to use it for a few months, but I I gave up. I said, this is not something I need to know. So you, <laughs> so you wouldn't revisit that uh, in I, the light of Silicon Macs? I wouldn't. Macs. Hmm. No. What about you, Mike? I I owned a Mac for uh, – that was an old iMac circa 2000 and uh, – what was it, 2011? Something like that. I just couldn't get my head around their operating system. I'm, I'm a Windows guy through and through, and that just I, – I, I had this some notion that I could learn it and help people, but I just it it fell flat. So I, I will. Uh, uh, you'll have to pry my iOS device out of my dead hand, but I am I'm glad to be rid of, <laughs> of my Mac. <laughs> so yeah, and I, Heine, when your Mac exploded <laughs> and you went to the bank of Dad, I was quite interested that at that point you. I mean, I, I made the comment to you this morning. Here we are writing up notes on the Apple events with our respective HP Spectres running Windows. Yeah. I, I really like my HP Spectre device, by the way. I do too. Yeah. Um, would you be interested in ha- taking another look when the Apple Silicon Macs come out? Have they fixed the keyboards? Yes. Yes, they've gone away from those blimmin' awful keyboards that they had for a while. In that case... I, that was your big issue, wasn't it? That was the real deterrent for me getting another Mac when that Mac exploded. I really despised those new keyboards. Um, but I am, I'm actually, I quite enjoy using Macs. Um, I think I'd consider it again in the future. You know, I've got Reaper, which works quite well on the Mac, and that's my primary way of recording soup. I also <laughs> have, um, Ulysses, which uh, Mike tried to get me into much earlier than I did eventually get into it. And uh, yes, I give him credit where that's due. And uh, so I could, I think, get away with switching back to Mac. Uh, I found it so limiting last time that I just could not possibly have gotten by without having Windows in a virtual machine, which comes with its own little quirks and challenges. But I think the one thing that, that I can't do that I do on a regular basis is voice tracking for Mushroom FM. There's no accessible way of doing that on the Mac. And also Braille, which I value, is uh, pretty subpar still on the Mac. At least I I don't believe there have been some significant changes there. I don't think so. So, well, we might get you. Get, we might get the gang together again. So you are you are pre-ordering, are you, Judy? The one of the twelves. Yes. And that the will be the pro. pro? Yes. So you'll have to, oh, so you'll be able to order it on Friday, won't you? I will. I just don't know what time yet. You'll just have to set your alarm for when do they usually do it? The, <laughs> that, like well, they didn't last year. They no, last year it started at like eight in the morning here, which was really disappointing. I liked getting up at three in the morning doing it. 
really feeling like you're you're putting in special See, effort to get ahead. Is that like Christmas or something, you know? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. And it, and it's good timing for us because it normally happens um, sort of midnight Pacific is at the moment 8 p.m. in the current time, uh, New Zealand time. So it's quite a civilized time, but I will not be one of them this year. You know, I'll, I'll be stuck with my old, decrepit iPhone 11 <laughs> Pro Max oh. for another year. Whoa, now, whoa. Yeah, would you would you order a twelve if you if you you know um, had the had the wherewithal, Heidi? Um, I think I'd consider it, considering my phone's a few generations old now. Um, Yours is the ten, right? The yeah, 10, ten. Yeah, yeah. So I'd consider it, but I mean, I don't have the money, so I'm not gonna. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Well, thank you all for being on this podcast. I hope people have enjoyed it. And, of course, the key question is, what do you think? If you've got any views on these uh, new devices, what they might mean for you, if you are going ahead and ordering this week with the 12 and the 12 Pro, or perhaps you are waiting for the smaller one or the larger one, let us know that. You can contact us in the usual channels, drop us an email with an audio attachment or write it down and send it into Jonathan at mushroomfm.com. The listener line number, of course, is 864-60-MOSIN in the United States, 864-606-6736. And we would welcome your comments on what Apple did say and perhaps what they didn't as well. Um, so thank you all. It's been a pleasure as always. I appreciate you coming on the show. That's fun as always. Thank you. Thanks very much. To contribute to Mosin at Large, you can email Jonathan, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, at mushroomfm.com by writing something down or attaching an audio file. Or you can call our listener line. It's a U.S. number, 864-60-MOSIN. That's 864-606-6736. Mosin.